Hello, my name is Tapio Maseba, and this is the Commercial Awareness Podcast. First, some headlines. Phase one of the U.S.-China trade deal may not be signed until next year, resulting in a stock market tumble. However, the Trump administration has started approving licenses for U.S. companies to start working with Chinese company Huawei again, only in cases that won't raise national security concerns. U.S. senators are calling Amazon to answer questions about its Ring doorbell security system after it was found that a Ring office in Ukraine had access to all the videos those cameras took, regardless of whether it was necessary or not. Booking.com is the top-ranked company for workplace diversity and inclusion in a new list of European employers by the Financial Times, which surveyed 80,000 people working for up to 10,000 companies in 10 countries. Private equity group KKR has submitted a $70 billion leveraged buyout bid for Walgreen Boots Alliance, which would be the largest private equity transaction on record. And finally, Google is taking a page from Twitter's book, kind of at least, by not allowing political advertisers to target voters based on their political affiliations, starkly separating Google and Twitter from Facebook. As always, links for all these stories are in the description. Now the longer reads, the first of which is PayPal has agreed to its largest acquisition deal ever after agreeing to acquire online coupon hunter Honey for $4 billion, or £3.1 billion. PayPal, the online payments company, is buying Honey, which had been heavily promoted for the past two or three years for its internet browser extension, which users would download, and when a user was on one of the 30,000 partner merchants, Honey would automatically find discount codes for that user. PayPal intends to extend its use to the 24 million merchants who accept PayPal and increase Honey's 17 million users to the 300 million people who use PayPal and Venmo. Dan Schulman, PayPal's chief exec, has said that this acquisition, quote, moves PayPal up in the entire shopping process, end quote, no longer just making them a checkout redirect page. However, the interesting soundbite is that of building a deeper relationship with consumers. How would that come along? Well, probably with the amount of spending habit data Honey has accrued over the past few years, making this, yes, a very decent vertical acquisition for PayPal, as they look to keep up their dominance in a sector since encroached on by companies like Cash App and Google and Apple. But this acquisition could now allow PayPal to influence what shoppers buy by offering discount codes for those items. This is, therefore, part of a growing trend in data-influenced acquisitions by companies, as we previously noted in Google's buying habits in health and fitness. Buying companies that already have a lot of data is a great head start, but we should also consider the antitrust concerns and privacy concerns for consumers, as they may end up indirectly handing their personal data to companies that they never intended to give that much data to. Acquisitions like this will probably influence future antitrust legislation and regulation, but more realistically, will probably result in more comprehensive end-user agreements for consumers that they won't read anyway. Latham and Watkins is advising Honey, while Skadden is advising PayPal. Credit for this story goes to Margie Murphy, Abhishek Manikandan, and Richard Waters. Now, this next story doesn't have earth-shattering implications for the future of law or anything of the sort, but like a few niche stories I share every now and then, might be a great point of entry for getting someone who isn't that interested in legal news or keeping up with it, interested. 
This story is about Liverpool FC, New Balance, and Nike, and I apologize in advance if I pronounce Nike differently to you. So, as you may know, football teams can independently contract with manufacturers to manufacture and sell their replica jerseys. Liverpool had such a deal with New Balance from 2011 to end in 2020. However, the agreement included a clause that would allow New Balance to match the quote, material, measurable, and matchable terms, end quote, of any third-party offer made to Liverpool upon the expiration of the New Balance deal. In other words, a matching rights clause. So, in came Nike, with an offer of £70 million per year for Nike to be the ones to manufacture and sell. Nike also presented a marketing and distribution clause, however, with a promise to sell the licensed products in 6,000 stores, including 500 stores owned or controlled by Nike, and to promote the products via, quote, marketing initiatives featuring global superstar athletes and influencers of the caliber of LeBron James, Serena Williams, Drake, etc., end quote. Therefore, New Balance responded with an identical clause, but cut out the names only mentioning, quote, global superstar athletes and influencers, end quote. This resulted in a dispute, and the only reason New Balance lost at the high court was because they could not provide names of equal caliber to those Nike mentioned, the caliber being measurable by followers on social media and so on. Otherwise, their offer to sell in the same number of stores and offering the same amount per year was completely fine. So, this is a very cautionary tale of a matching rights clause. Though one party would have the intention of a fixed-term contract, it can become a de facto perpetual agreement if the terms of that matching clause are vague enough for the first supplier to fulfill and keep fulfilling. This may also result in breaches of confidentiality if you are required to tell supplier number one of the terms supplier number two is offering, and also leaves you at the mercy of judges who could, depending on the cogency of the argument, choose for or against your own commercial interests. So, in the future, if you find yourself looking at agreements, watch out for those clauses and ask yourself whether you are willing to accept and deal with everything that that clause may bring. And, if you see LeBron, Serena, or Drake in a Liverpool jersey anytime soon, you now have the story behind it. Credit goes to Travis Smith and Sam Tobin. And finally, in socially responsible company news, the European Investment Bank, the world's largest multilateral financial institution, has agreed to phase out its multi-billion euro financing for oil, gas, and coal within the next two years to become the world's first, quote, climate bank, end quote. Not completely noble, though, as it is because they believe renewables are more profitable assets for the next 20 to 25 years. Andrew McDowell, the EIB's vice president for energy, told Bloomberg that, quote, from both a policy and from a banking perspective, it makes no sense for us to continue to invest in 20 to 25-year assets that are going to be taken over by new technologies and do not deliver on the EU's very ambitious climate and energy targets, end quote. So, fine, it's not altruistic. But unless you're a deontologist, you'd see that this is an objectively good move in terms of global warming and the, quote, greater good, end quote. It also presents us with another view to the conversation we've had about consumers and becoming socially responsible, and in a way, this story presents a culmination and an amalgamation of those concepts. 
the culmination exists where we witness the ripple effect of the socially responsible consumer. The European Investment Bureau is projecting that renewables will become more profitable than fossil fuels in the near future. Yes, that will be in part due to government subsidies in Europe creating such an environment, but it goes nowhere without consumers welcoming it and adopting it with open arms. The amalgamation is finding the meeting point where it is socially responsible and socially good for a company or fund to do something, but it is also equally profitable as it is in this scenario. This is a scenario in which everyone wins. Well, everyone but the fossil fuel companies. This amalgamation could arguably be seen in a recent story that reports that Nike's value is up $26.2 billion after endorsing Colin Kaepernick, former NFL quarterback who'd kneel during the national anthem to show awareness to police brutality. Though, pinch of salt, correlation does not equal causation. But even with that considered, Endorsing this polarizing figure was not the loss-maker many projected it to be. If more cases like this pile up, where companies being outspoken in social causes is actually not a hill to die on, but a hill to flourish on, we may actually see a proliferation in those companies, for better or for worse, being more passionate in causes they believe in or support. So, back to Earth. Commercial awareness. Well, this is a corporate governance exercise. For a long time, we've seen social good as a foil to shareholder profit, for the most part at least. And we can unequivocally agree that a company exists first and foremost for the gain of its members. This indicates a potential shift in how we view this, and an ability to, quite like never before, have the cake and eat it too. This is also a very loud executioner's bell for fossil fuel energy companies. Considering the size of the EIB, if they believe that fossil fuel energy is going to become a stranded asset, those companies still heavily investing in fossil fuels better be equally investing in renewables. Also, quite simply, if you are asked what asset you'd invest in for the next 20 to 25 years, you can now say renewable energy because the EIB says so. Credit for this story goes to Gillian Ambrose, John Henley, Gillian Tett, Billy Nauman, Patrick Temple West, and Charles Robinson. This has been the Commercial Awareness Podcast. Please be sure to like, rate, follow, and subscribe on your listening platforms, and if you find it useful, please share it amongst your friends and colleagues. There will be no episode next Friday, as I'll be taking a short mid-season break, but we will be back to regular programming the week after. If I can manage to even publish a short headlines episode, that will be announced on the podcast's Instagram page, that is at ComAwarePod, that is C-O-M-M-A-W-A-R-E-P-O-D. Other than that, thank you for listening, and you'll hear from me on Friday the 6th of December.